Chapter 7 of Marjorie Dean, High School Freshman by Pauline Lester. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter 7 The Warning. The afternoon session of school passed uneventfully for Marjorie. She had returned too late from luncheon to hold more than a few words of conversation with the picture girl. In spite of the watchful espionage of Miss Merton, whose eyes seemed riveted to her side of the room, Muriel managed to convey to Marjorie the news that the girls were dying to meet her and were so sorry they had missed her at noon. "'We waited for you more than ten minutes.' muriel whispered guardedly mignon saw you stop at professor fontaine's desk we knew what that meant it always takes him forever to explain anything do you remember a black-haired black-eyed girl in the french class this morning she wore the sweetest brown crepe de chine dress well that's mignon lasalle her father is the richest man in sanford Mignon could go away to school if she liked, but she doesn't care about it. Tell you more later. Muriel faced front with a sudden jerk that could mean but one thing. Marjorie cast a fleeting glance at Miss Merton. The teacher was frowning angrily, as though about to deliver a rebuke. Luckily for the two girls, the first recitation bell rang, and they stood not upon the order of their going but went with alacrity. Once outside the study hall door, they were safe. "'I don't know what ails Miss Merton,' complained Muriel. "'She has never said a word to me before. "'That's twice today she has shown her claws. "'She doesn't like me,' said Marjorie calmly. "'And I don't like her. "'I think she is the rudest teacher I ever knew.' It was I, not you, that she meant that scolding for this morning. Nonsense, scoffed Muriel. She likes you as well as she likes the rest of us. I don't believe she is awfully, terribly, fearfully fond of girls. When she was young she must have been one of those stiff, prim goody-goodies, the distressingly snippy sort that made all her friends so tired. Muriel laughed softly. Marjorie smiled at Muriel's unflattering description of Miss Merton's youth, then her face sobered. In her heart she knew that Miss Merton disliked her, and the knowledge was not pleasant. She made an earnest resolve to overcome the teacher's prejudice. She would make Miss Merton like her. Muriel went with her as far as the door of the history room which was in charge of Miss Atkins, a stout, middle-aged woman who beamed amiably upon Marjorie, entered her name in the class register, motioned her to a front seat, and promptly appeared to forget her existence. But though Miss Atkins exhibited small personal interest in her new pupil, such was not the case with regard to the subject which she taught. The lesson dealt with the coming of the Virginia colonists, their settlement in Jamestown, and the final burning of the town. Miss Atkins' vivid description of the colonists' determined struggles to gain a foothold in the new world was well worth listening to. 
the reading of extracts from special reference books pertaining to that gallant expedition into the treacherous forests of an unknown untried country made the lesson seem doubly interesting when the recitation was over marjorie went back to the study hall congratulating herself on the fact that she had not dropped history and reflecting that no one would ever have suspected miss atkins of being so fascinating as she groped in her desk for her textbook on physiology she looked about her for some sign of constance stevens she recollected that she had not seen her in her seat when the afternoon session began the moment her recitation in physiology was over she hastened to the locker room no her new friend's hat was not there. She had not returned to school after luncheon. Marjorie reached for her own hat, vaguely wondering what had happened to keep Constance away from school. She stood meditatively poking her hat-pins in and out of her hat when the sound of footsteps on the stairs came to her ears. School was over for the day. She put on her hat in a hurry, took a swift peep at herself as she passed the one large mirror that hung at the end of the freshman's lockers and ran up the stairs. She would not disappoint Muriel's friends again. This time she was first on the scene, standing on the identical spot where she had stood the day Constance rushed weeping past her. Why didn't her class come out? Surely she had heard their footsteps on the stairs but it was fully five minutes before the stream of girls began to issue from the big doors. Then Muriel appeared, surrounded by her friends, and in another instant the girl with the dimples, the fair-haired girl, the stout girl, and the evil genius were, with varying degrees of friendliness, telling Marjorie Dean that they were glad to meet her. Susan Atwell said so frankly, with a delightful show of dimples. Irma Linton looked the acme of gentle friendliness. Geraldine Mace's face wore an expression of open admiration. Mignon LaSalle's greeting, however, was distinctly reserved. To be sure, she smiled, but Muriel, who had been furtively watching her, knew that the French girl was not pleased with the idea of admitting another girl to their fellowship. The rest of the girls like her, thought Muriel. Mignon will find she'll have to give in this time. Purposely, to make sure she was right, she said boldly, Miss Dean, will you go to the basketball tryout with us on Friday afternoon? Yes, do, urged Geraldine Macy eagerly. "'We'd love to have you,' came from Susan Atwell. "'We understand that you are a star player.' "'Of course you must,' smiled Irma Linton. The French girl alone hesitated. Her eyes roved speculatively from one face to another. Then she said suavely, "'Come, by all means, Miss Dean. "'It will be quite interesting.' "'Thank you.' I shall be pleased to go with you. Marjorie ignored Mignon's slight hesitation, although she had noted it. I wonder if you are all as fond of basketball as I, she went on quickly. 
It's a splendid game, isn't it? Her new acquaintances answered with emphasis that it was certainly a great game, and the ice now broken, they began to ply their new acquaintance with questions. How did she like Sanford? Did it seem strange to her after a big city high school? What subjects had she selected? Had she met any other girls besides themselves? Marjorie answered them readily enough. She was glad to be one of a crowd of girls again. "'Have you met any other girls?' asked Geraldine Macy abruptly. "'I met a Miss Seymour before I had even gone as far as Miss Archer's office. She is a delightful girl, isn't she?' No one of the five girls made answer. The little freshman regarded them perplexedly. Mm, ejaculated Muriel Harding. You wouldn't think her quite so nice if you knew as much about her as we do. Wait until you see her play basketball. She plays centre on the sophomore team and she makes some very peculiar plays. She's always creating trouble too. She and some of her sophomore friends seem to have a particular grudge against Mignon. They are forever criticising her playing. They have even gone so far as to say that we don't play fairly that we are tricky. The idea. Muriel looked highly offended at the mere idea of any such thing. Marjorie listened without comment. Muriel's ready tirade against the pleasant-faced sophomore who had willingly offered her services that morning made her feel decidedly uncomfortable. Then Miss Seymour's straightforward speech to Miss Archer came back to her. The sophomore had been generous to her enemies, if they were enemies, in that she had refused to mention any names. Marjorie wondered if Muriel or Mignon would be equally generous in the same circumstances. She resolved to say nothing of what she had been privileged to hear. It was not hers to tell. Suddenly she divined, rather than saw, Mignon's elfish eyes fixed upon her. "'You met another girl at noon, did you not, Miss Dean?' asked the French girl with an almost sarcastic inflection. "'Yes, Miss Stevens,' was the composed answer. "'We share the same locker. She is a nice girl too, and I like her very much. So please, don't say anything against her,' she ended in half-smiling warning. Mignon LaSalle's face grew dark. She recognised the challenging note in the new girl's tone. Muriel, too, frowned. Susan Atwell sidled up to Mignon, Irma Linton looked distressed, and Geraldine Macy, calmly curious as to what would come next. It came in the way of a small tempest, for the French girl lost her temper over Marjorie's retort. She stamped her foot in childish rage, saying, vehemently, She is a nobody, that Stevens person, and her family are vagabonds. You will make a great mistake if you choose her for your friend. Then, her rage receding as suddenly as it had come, she shrugged her shoulders deprecatingly. Pardonnez-moi, she bowed to Marjorie. I spoke too strongly. It is not for me to choose Miss Dean's friends. Slipping her arm through Muriel's, she drew her ahead of the others. 
Susan Atwell took a hurried step forward and caught her other arm, leaving Marjorie to walk between Irma and Geraldine. "'Don't mind her,' said Jerry in a low voice. "'She has it in for that Miss Stevens. "'She, the Stevens girl, did something. "'No one knows what, to make Mignon angry with her. "'Mignon says Miss Stevens talked about her, "'and Muriel and Susan believed it. "'But Irma and I are not so silly.' Two blocks further on, Marjorie bade good-bye to the five girls. She said it without enthusiasm. Their carping, quarrelsome attitude had taken all the pleasure from knowing them. She made mental exception in favour of Irma and Jerry. The gentleness of the one and the sturdy, outspoken manner of the other had impressed her favourably. But she was sorely disappointed in Muriel. Should she tell her mother of the disagreeable ending of her first day? She decided not to do so. She would carry nothing save pleasant tales to her captain today. And so that night, when she entered the living room and found her mother in a becoming negligee occupying the wide leather couch by the window, she saluted like a dutiful soldier and included in her report only the pleasant happenings of her first, never-to-be-forgotten day in Sanford High School. End of chapter 7 Recording by Ashley Jane